0: amen this is the day that the lord has made let us be glad and rejoice in it it's a blessing to be in the house of the lord just one more time thank god for our listening audience and for our youtube audience our online audience we're glad to have you here with us today are you glad to be in the house of the lord today why don't we give the lord a hand clap of praise amen amen david said i was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the lord and i would like to ask david the question well why were you glad david and i would imagine that david would say that if you can't find joy anywhere else you ought to be able to find it in the house of the lord if you can't find peace anywhere else you ought to be able to find it uh, in the house of the lord amongst brothers and sisters in christ and if you can't find encouragement anywhere else or a hearty amen anywhere else, you ought to be able to find it in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, we thank God for this opportunity. We have been walking through uh, this series uh, entitled uh, The God Who Sees. I See You. And this, this series was born out of a statement that was made by one of our ministry leaders, and she basically stated that we, we need to create a culture of care in our church family. Not saying that it's not already there, but we during this pandemic, we need to be even more intentional to let people know that we see them and that God cares for them. Because sometimes, I, you know, I think during this pandemic, some of us Uh, felt lonely, uh, felt abandoned, uh, felt a sense of of isolation. so we need to know that God sees us. And not only does God see us, but that God's people see us. And so uh, we want to tangibilize uh, the fact that God sees us because uh, we are God's hands. We are God's feet. We God wants to use us as extension, as an extension of him. And so, in a very real sense, uh, we, uh, this series has been uh, geared toward that, that that we not just talk about the God who sees, but we be living expressions of the God who sees. Amen? Amen. And so today, we're we're going to look at uh, a very particular passage of scripture that was already read beautifully uh, in your hearing. And I thank God for uh, Mark Bowman and Table 31 agreeing to, to share their story. Uh, when I heard that story, I said, Mark, are you willing to share this story? And he said, absolutely, Pastor Williams. And so I thank God for his willingness uh, to do that. And so the The passage has already been read in your hearing, Luke 5, uh, verses 17 to 26. Uh, And it's one of those stories that captures uh, what it means to be a faithful friend. Uh, You know, we we all need friendships. We all, uh, either we are friends to someone and we want that friendship to be mutual. So nestled in this particular pericope of Scripture, we see a faithful friendship that catches Jesus' attention. And not everything catches Jesus' attention, but whenever faith is activated, Jesus always acknowledges the fact that faith has been employed and has been activated. So in this passage of Scripture, the setting is clear. Jesus is is teaching. Uh, He he has a a powerful teaching and preaching ministry. Verse 17 says, One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. And now you know the Pharisees and scribes and teachers were your usual haters. Uh, They were your usual suspects, and with the turning of every page in the Gospels, you always find uh, these critics, these religious critics, showing up. uh, And the text seems to imply that they traveled a long way to get where Jesus was, just to critique him, just to hate on him. But one thing that Jesus, that I love about Jesus, is that he never allowed any sideshows to distract him. Because when you're doing ministry, you're going to have some haters. When you're doing the Lord's work, uh, you're going to have some distractions, and you're going to have some people trying to lead you down some sideshows. But Jesus uh, keeps his eyes and keeps his focus on ministry and on his teaching ministry. And I love what Luke says, but one of the things I love about Luke is Luke always highlights the marginalized in society, people that you wouldn't normally see. He always highlights and and he he always pays particular attention to uh, the least of these in society. Luke's gospel, probably because Luke is a Gentile, and Luke's gospel seems to be geared toward acknowledging those who are poor, those who are left out, those, the least of these, the underprivileged in society. And so here, Jesus uh, is embarking on his teaching ministry, and, it, and it, the text says uh, that one day while he was teaching, the Pharisees of the law were sitting nearby. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Uh, This is a constant refrain in Luke's gospel, which which is implying that Jesus is always ready. (laughs) It implies that Jesus is always prayed up, Uh, that Jesus is never unprepared to do ministry. He's never unprepared to, to minister to the least of these. And so the text says that the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And uh, the, as this story unfolds, it, it, it tells us that there was a crowd that had followed Jesus to this home. And one of the things whenever you see crowds in the Gospels, uh, one of my professors used to always say, Dr. Dwight Pentecost, used to say, whenever you see crowds, there, there's always three types of people in crowds, there are those who are curious. They just, want, just, they just want to get there to get, the, the, to get a seat. <laughs> they, they just want to be eyewitnesses. They're they, they really not really concerned about the gospel, but they want to, they've heard about Jesus, and they just want to follow Jesus and, because they're curious about who he is. And so, you know, and he said, in every crowd, you got people who are curious. They, they just, uh, they're just, you know, for lack of a better word, they're nosy. Amen, somebody. But then you have those who are convinced. You got people who who are convinced that they know who Jesus is. They've heard about him. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. And they are convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. And then you have those who are committed, like the disciples that Jesus— called to follow him. They are committed to following Jesus 24 hours a day. They are under Jesus' tutelage. They are disciples. They are committed to Jesus. So you have those who are curious, those who are convinced, and those who are committed. So those are the, the three types of people who were in this crowd. And I would venture to say that these uh, these men who brought their friend to Jesus were convinced. They were convinced. You you can't tell me otherwise because because as this story unfolds, it's clear that they have an agenda to get their friend to Jesus. Amen? But here's the thing. When we look at verse 18, it says, just then some, some men came. Now, like Mark tends to add a little bit more, uh, Matthew and Mark adds a little, little bit more detail to this. Uh, Mark says that four men came carrying the paralyzed man on a cart, on a bed. And so it says just then some, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. Now I don't know about you but when I think about this story I, in my mind I'm thinking that these four men got up that morning and they said today is the day. Jesus is in town and we've got to get our friend to Jesus. They had already talked about it. They had already planned it and they, they said in their mind that today is the day we've got to get our friend to Jesus, and so can you? Can you imagine with me? Use your sanctified imagination, and you watch these men uh, on the four corners or, of this of this bed carrying their carrying their, their their paralyzed friend, and there they are, and they get to the house where Jesus is, and there's a crowd all around the house, and they begin to look, and they and what I love about them is that they didn't say, you know what, uh, today is it the day. Let's go back home it's because this is just too many people. But you don't hear, hear anything in their conversation. They were determined to get their friend to Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I had seen a crowd that big, I said, well, maybe Jesus will be, here, will be here tomorrow. or Maybe we can catch Jesus early in the morning when nobody's here. I don't know what time exactly it was, but they were not deterred by the crowd. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles. In the middle of the crowd, now the way those stone homes were built is that there were stairs along the side of the house, and they would go up those stairs and, and on those once they, once they got to the top, there was a roof made of mud and straw that had dried up, and they used it as a roof to cover that house to cover the, the top of that house and You know, I would be kind of ticked off if somebody had come to my house tearing up my roof. You know, I just got insurance on that house and I have roof protection. And there they are tearing up the roof of my house. And it's interesting that no one said anything. But there those men were bringing their friend up those stairs. And someone says, we need to get get him to Jesus. And they begin, as Matthew uh, Mark points out, that they, they dug a hole in the roof and began to tear it apart. And all of a sudden, can you imagine Jesus is pontificating? He, he's, he's talking about the good news, and lo and behold, a man comes down on a bed right in front of Jesus. And Jesus is... I guess he's not surprised because he wouldn't be Jesus if he, if he was surprised. There he comes down and Jesus is amazed because he looks up and he sees four men lowering him down. And the text, the text, says, the text says that Jesus saw their faith. Well, what a beautiful expression, that Jesus saw their faith. Now, this, this, wasn't any, this wasn't average seeing. This was Jesus seeing from the time they left the house to the time they got there. When Jesus saw their actions, when he saw their determination, when he saw their resilience, Jesus says, I can't help but answer that prayer. Because Jesus shows us and he helps us understand what faithful friends look like. Jesus says in so many words, I see you, faithful friends. I see you, Mark Bowman. I see you, Clark Punningham. I see you, faithful friends. And it, the text tells us that God rewards the man who's on the, on the bed, the paralyzed man, because of his faithful friends. Oh, what a beautiful expression, because I think there are times in our lives where we need friends to carry us when we can't carry ourselves. There are times in our lives where we get so weak that we don't always feel like praying and we need need friends to pray for us when we don't have the strength to pray for ourselves. There are times in our lives where we we need some, some faithful friends, not fair weather friends, but we need friends that when the storms come in our lives, when the winds blow, that they're not afraid to roll up their sleeves. They're not afraid to get wet. They're not afraid to get in the trenches with you. We need faithful friends like that, amen? So here's the thing, and this is my first point, I'll be done in a few minutes. surround yourself with faithful friends. So Surround yourself with people who are going to speak life into you and not death. People who are going to speak encouragement in, into you and say, you can do it. You're going to get through this. We're going to get through this, because that's what faithful friends do. They, they're in solidarity with your pain. They're in solidarity with what you're going through. And they're saying, we're going to get through this. This is what text is telling us, that faith finds a way to get to Jesus. That faith always finds a way. Faith involves creativity and determination. That it always finds a way to get to Jesus. One of my favorite professors, Dr. Darrell Buck, commented on this text and he says, the text. this text is the first of several that will highlight the importance of faith. Faith here is not mere intellectual trust or a mere attitude. It expresses itself in the intent to get near to Jesus. Somebody missed that. Let me say that over here. (laughs) That it it expresses itself, true faith, expresses itself to get near to Jesus. In other words, proximity is very important with Jesus. That, that, That the closer you get to Jesus, That nothing can come between you and Jesus, and the closer you get to Jesus, that that in itself is an act of radical faith. I mean, these friends, you can't do it any better than this. They dropped them. They they, they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. You you just can't. And, And that's the goal of faithful friendship is to get our friends to Jesus. You know, that, that's, the, that's what the story is about, is to make sure that we bathe our friends who are going through the vicissitudes of life, to bathe them in prayer and to get them to Jesus, to get them in the presence of the Savior. One writer said that there, there are some marks of real friendship, and real friendship involves face-to-face honesty. In other words, you don't need friends who are going to just be a yes person around you. You need some friends who are going to be honest with you. If, if, if they just say yes to everything you talk about, that's not a true friend. You, 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 might, as well have, you might as well be a ventriloquist. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Amen. That was below the belt, I'm sorry. <laughs> Real friendship involves loyalty. One writer says loyalty may be defined as love at all times, love at all times. Love when you're down, love when you're up, love when things aren't going right, love when things are going well, love at all times. That's true loyalty. Real friendship involves loyalty. And he talks, you know, talks about Christian friendship. Real friendship is found with Jesus. That 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 there's as the songwriter said that there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. That there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. Then he says that real friendship is imitating Christ in our relationships. In other words, in a true friendship, a true Christian spiritual friendship, I'm to reflect the character of Christ to you, and you're to reflect the character of Christ to me. That, that we're, we're to reflect the character of Christ to one another, and that there are times in our lives where you may be spiritual, spiritually low, but I'm called to build you up. And there are times in my life that I may be on a spiritual low, and you're called to build me up. Because in this culture that we live in, if we ever needed friendship before, we need friendship now. So faith finds a way to get to Jesus. But here, here, here's the other thing I want us to see here. I want us to see here in this text is that Jesus saw in this paralyzed man that forgiveness was essential, that, that it, it was essential uh, because when you look at the story, Jesus says something to this man. He says, friend, your, your sins are forgiven. Now, this is the first time in, in these in these healing stories that Jesus says, first, your sins are forgiven. Usually, he heals the person first. But in this particular story, he deals with the spiritual condition of this man before he deals with the physical ailment of this man. So he says to him, friend, your sins are forgiven. And they're the haters, your your usual suspects. This is in the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this? Speaking these blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, they didn't say this out loud. The scripture seems to imply when Jesus perceived their questionings, and he perceived what was on their minds. He answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Mark says, why, why are you thinking such evil thoughts? Uh, Luke kind of sugarcoats it a little, little bit. But Mark says, why, why is there so much evil in your hearts? And Jesus enters into a, a a debate, really it's not that much of a debate because Jesus didn't give him an opportunity to respond. He says, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say stand up and walk? That's the question that Jesus raised and there was no response. And so Verse 24 says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. <laughs> I, I, I love what Jesus is saying here. First of all, Jesus, uh, he meets a need in this man. He, he sees something in this man that, that no one else sees. And and it's easier for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven because there's no, there's no outward um, expression or outward uh, manifestation of when you say, say that your sins are forgiven. There, there's, nothing, there's, there's nothing there, but it, it makes all the difference to the Pharisees because they're, he, they're saying that Jesus is putting himself on the same level with God. They're they, they missing who Jesus is. So Jesus saw that this man needed forgiveness and that forgiveness is essential. And here we find Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven because the biggest issue that that this man has is that spiritual healing has to do with sin and forgiveness. One writer put it this, this way, when we... We achieve inner health only through forgiveness. The forgiveness not only of others, but of ourselves. Sometimes we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. We, we beat ourselves up. Just this week, I, I was in, in my home studying and preparing for this message, and I received a call from a woman that I had not talked to in a long time. And she, when she called, the number didn't register, so I didn't, I didn't answer the, the phone, but she left a message on the phone. And she said, I, I need you to call me, Reverend Williams. And so I, I gave her a call and we exchanged pleasantries. And, And the last time I saw her and she saw me, we didn't have good feelings toward one another. I'm just going to be honest. And, but the Lord told me, "You, you need to call her and find out what she's up to. So she began to share with me her testimony, and she began to share that there was, she was reading through the Bible and reading through. Uh, Leviticus and and Numbers, Numbers 17 to be exact. And she saw the story of Aaron and she said, she read somewhere that that we're not to touch God's anointed, And she said, Reverend Williams, I'm calling you because I didn't treat you right. I'm asking for your forgiveness. She said, the Lord told me that I'm not going to get what he has for me until I go back to you and ask you for forgiveness. She said that God has, and she said it's been six months, the Lord has been working on me and leading me to call you. And I finally realized, the Lord says, I got some things planned for you, but until you deal with how you treat it, Reverend Williams, I can't, I can't bless you the way I want to bless you. So she asked me for forgiveness, and I said, I forgive you, I forgive you. And it was a quiet moment on, on the phone, and we began to share what we've been going through since the last time we met. And God showed me that day how important forgiveness is. That forgiveness is a kind of healing. It's a kind of healing. We all need forgiveness. We all need faithful friends. I just got a few, just two questions to ask you is is who, who is one friend you could help? by a gesture of faith today? Who who is one friend that God may have brought to your mind even as I speak that you can help by a small gesture of faith? Because little things lead to a big impact. And at what time each day this week can you place the needs of your friends before Christ, the needs of your friends. Ask a friend, how can I pray for you today? How can I help you today? How can I be a faithful friend to you? And the best way to be a faithful friend is to start with prayer. This story points, brothers and sisters, to a greater reality, and that is that Jesus is a faithful friend to us. That some of us, he woke us up this morning, but we didn't say, thank you, Lord. He put food on our table, we didn't say, thank you, Lord. We got in our car and made our way to church, and we didn't say, thank you, Lord. See, God says, even though we are faithless, he can't help but be faithful to us. God will never give up on us. Jesus will never throw, throw in the towel on you. He will always be faithful to you until the end." And I remember in that old church I grew up back home, we used to always sing, it seemed like I, that was the only hymn we knew, but it was a good hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins, and grieves to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for being a faithful friend to us. We thank you, dear God, for the faithful friends you have brought into our lives who have been with us through thick and thin. And Lord, help us to be faithful friends. And somebody needs to know today, dear God, who may feel friendless, that Jesus wants to be a friend to them. Jesus wants to speak life into them and love on them. Lord, would you make it crystal clear to them right now that there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus? No, not one. And that he's reaching out to them To be their friend. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray.